We're starting a little series in August called In God's Family, and, and the idea behind this series is to ask this question, who are my people? Everybody has people, whether we are intentional about who our people are or not. And what we know, and, and especially parents that have raised kids, what you know is whoever your people are have a huge influence on who you become. Uh, and, it, and so one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves as we follow Christ is, who are my people? And if a local church family is not on the list that comes to mind when you say, who are my people? If, if your church doesn't come up, then that might be an indicator that you're not deeply connected into a church, uh, which it's really important to have people, my kind of people, are the people that follow Jesus so that I can follow Jesus together with them. That's a huge part of growing in Christ and being a disciple. We were never meant to follow Jesus alone, but to follow Jesus together. And so we're doing this little series this, uh, this August as we close out the summer called In God's Family, and we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a follower of Christ. What does that look like? What do the kind of people that follow Jesus do? How do they live? What, what values do they have? Those kinds of things. And so today we're going to be talking about contentment. In God's family, we are content. Um, and I thought it might be fun to open that with a little trivia. So uh, uh, here's the first question. The average American will throw away over how many pounds of trash in his or her lifetime? Just throw out some guesses. How, what do you think? How many pounds of trash? Somebody said 10,000, 20,000, 100,000. And the answer is 200,000, over 200,000 pounds of trash. Each one of us, over 200,000 pounds of trash. That's why the landfills are this big, you know, right? Uh, here's another one. Americans throw away more than how many pounds of edible food every year? Five million? 100 million? And the answer is 28 billion. That is 40% of all the food product that we produce every year. So if you take all the food product that we produce, if you take everything that we consume plus everything that we export to other countries, that's only 60% of what we produce. The other 40% that we produce, we throw away. That's enough food to feed a couple of small countries and we pitch it out in the trash, right? Okay, here's, here's one. Um, the average American will buy how many brand new cars? Not used cars, brand new cars in his or her lifetime. How many? What do you think? Six? The answer is nine. Nine brand new cars. Not used, brand new. Um, one more, I kind of shoved three things together. The average American will own how many smartphones, how many tablets, and of course, how many coffee makers, because we have to have coffee, right? And the answer is 44 smartphones, 36 tablets, but only 13 coffee makers. <laughs> Our priorities are out of whack, <laughs> right? I think that th there are these statistics. It's safe to say that Americans struggle with a lack of contentment. We have a problem with not being content. Hundreds of billions of dollars are spent every year by companies producing advertisements that are specifically designed to destroy your contentment. Your life will not be happy unless you buy my razor. You might have 
18 razors in your, in your uh, house, but if you don't have my razor and you can't have happiness unless you have my razor, right? Advertisement specifically designed to destroy your contentment, to tempt you to covet, and to lure you to spend money you don't have, buying stuff you don't need, to impress people you don't like, to quote Dave Ramsey, right? Americans struggle with contentment. We are drowning in debt. The average credit card holder in America has $6,469 in credit card debt. That's the average credit card debt, almost $6,500. That doesn't include student loan debt or mortgage debt or anything else. That's just credit card debt. That's on average. We are drowning in debt because we have a problem with contentment, but in God's family, we are called to live differently. We're not supposed to live like everybody else around us lives. We're supposed to be content. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. There are a lot of verses in the Bible that sort of go against the grain of the great American dream. That's one of them, right? If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So what I want to talk about this morning is what is contentment? Why does contentment matter? And how do we cultivate contentment in our lives? Because we're called to be content as Christians. First question, what is contentment what does it mean to be content and i love this definition from the new bible dictionary contentment is not a passive acceptance of the status quo but it is the positive assurance that god has supplied one's needs and the consequent release from unnecessary desire okay let's break that out a little bit contentment is not laziness or apathy about life. Contentment is not the opposite of ambition. Well, I shouldn't have big dreams and I shouldn't have this and I shouldn't want that because I'm supposed to be content. No, that's not what contentment is. It's not the opposite of ambition. Contentment does not mean that you should not work hard to improve your situation. That's not what contentment means. It doesn't mean that you should not work hard to pursue your dreams. It doesn't mean that I didn't study for the test and I got a C and I should be content with that and so I don't have to study anymore. That's not what it means, no. Contentment does not mean that you roll over and accept injustice or wallow in self-pity. It doesn't mean that you don't fight for what is right. None of those things are a biblical understanding of contentment. If I could rework this definition into one that's a little bit less technical, we might say it like this. Contentment is trusting God to provide for your needs, and then being free to enjoy the life that he gives. I trust that God's going to take care of me. God's going to provide for my needs. So that sets me free to enjoy the life that he gives. That's what contentment is. Now, why is it, why is it important? Why does being content matter so much? Paul wrote in 1, Corinthians, sorry, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Why would he say that? Let's keep reading. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Look at verse 9. Those who want to get rich 
fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul doesn't say it is a sin to be rich. He says it is a sin to value wealth above all other things. People that live, their their life's goal and ambition is to get rich, fall into temptation and into a trap. So why does being content matter? Well, number one, contentment sets you free to enjoy the life that God gives. It sets you free. You're not falling into that trap. You're not making the goal of your life to get rich. You're free to simply enjoy the life that God gives. Materialism or consumerism, which is one of the bedrock uh, values of our society, is a trap. It's a lie. It promises you happiness, but it never delivers. That's because businesses don't profit off your contentment. Businesses profit on making you feel discontent with your life so that you buy their product. So they promise you that if you buy their product, they'll give you happiness, but they never actually deliver that happiness because if they did, they would go out of business. So they have to keep you in this loop of feeling unhappy and discontented with your life so that you keep spending money to get more of their stuff, whatever they're providing, right? Materialism doesn't work. It doesn't bring the happiness. It's a trap. It promises happiness, but it never delivers. Uh, Our youngest child, Maycat, she's 10 months old today. One of her favorite toys is a spoon. (laughs) I mean, you can like sit her down on the floor and hand her a spoon and she is content and happy as a lark just playing with her spoon. Now, some of our older kids, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I hear this comment in our house, I'm bored, I don't have anything to do. Any parents ever heard that, right? Well, you have a whole basement filled with toys and games and all kinds of stuff and a whole yard and all the swings and everything. What do you mean you don't have anything to do? I'm bored, I don't have anything to do, right? The, 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 the lesson is more stuff does not automatically produce more happiness. Sometimes all you need is a spoon and you're happy, right? Contentment sets you free to just enjoy the life that God gives. Number two, contentment sets you free to enjoy blessing others with the abundance that God provides. God has provided an abundance for us. The poverty line in the United States is 18 and a half times higher than the poverty line globally. So people who are living in poverty in the United States are 18 times richer than people that live in poverty everywhere else in the world, right? God has given us an abundance. And why does God give us an abundance? So that we can share others, share it with others, so we can bless others. Uh, and, and being content allows us to do that. So to illustrate this, I need a, uh, two volunteers. And there are cookies involved. <laughs> if you didn't get cookies out there, I've got more cookies here. So I need two volunteers. Come on up. Can you, enter, can you introduce yourselves? Josiah. Josiah. Sage. Sage. All right. So, come on over. Stand right there. Right there, Sage. Yeah, good. All right. In this illustration, I'm God. 
Okay, Sage, how many cookies do you have right now? How many cookies do you have right now? Are you holding any cookies? No. So you have zero cookies? Now God is going to give you 10 cookies. You have 10 cookies, but you didn't have any until God gave them to you. Now, can I have one cookie back? Are you willing to share one cookie back with me? Not the whole plate, just one. That's all I'm asking. Okay. You had no cookies. Then I gave you 10. You gave me one back. That's 10%. How many cookies do you still have? Nine cookies. You didn't have any when you came up here, but now you have nine. Okay, now what if God asks you to share some of those cookies? Would you be willing to give a couple to your brother? Nice. So how many do you have left? Seven. Didn't have any when you came up? But you've given some back to God and you've shared some with another person and you still have seven cookies. Like, wow, that's really cool, right? Uh, you, can, you guys can keep the cookies. I'll keep mine. Um, thank you. The point is God has blessed us. Everything we have came from him. So if God says, give a little back to me, or take some of what I've given to you and bless somebody else with it, sometimes if we're not content because we think that I have to get my own way in life and I have to make my own stuff and I have to make sure that I have enough, then I'm not sharing the resources that God has given me. And guess what? I would have nothing except that God gave it all, right? So contentment is trusting that God will provide. He already has. He's providing for you. And that sets us free to bless others by sharing the abundance that God gives. Uh, why does contentment matter? Because it sets us free. Okay? Number, t- number la- uh, third question, why or how do we cultivate contentment? It's nice to talk about what it is and why it matters. But talking about what contentment is and why it matters isn't the same thing as being content. Right? Talking about it's not the same thing as doing it. At the same time, uh, you can't just decide, tomorrow I'm going to be content. There you go. I'm gonna, when my uh, neighbor drives his brand new Ford F-150 by my house, I'm going to be content and not say, I'd like to have that truck. And then get into my soccer mom Honda Pilot and drive around town. <laughs> you can't just decide that you're going to be content tomorrow. It's something you have to cultivate in your life. The Holy Spirit plants that seed in the soil of our hearts and then we cultivate that and he produces the fruit of contentment. So how do we cultivate it? And I want to, we're gonna jump around a few different places in scripture but I have four quick ways to cultivate contentment. Number one, count your blessings. If you wanna cultivate contentment, remember all that God has done for you. Psalm 107 verse 43. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Think about, ponder, reflect on, meditate what God has done for you. Count your blessings. Gratitude is a lost art in our culture. It's a lost art. Uh, I was really um, just very pleased when we went to a bunch of graduation parties uh, at the the end of spring, early summer, and all of the grads sent us really nice thank you notes. And we don't give like super fancy gifts. We try to give thoughtful gifts, but uh, they all sent us really thoughtful and personal thank you notes. 
And I thought, that's really impressive because gratitude is a lost art. Most people feel entitled. I don't need to say thank you because you owed that to me, right? But if we are thankful, thankfulness produces contentment and contentment leads to happiness. A thankful heart is a happy heart. So here's a, a way that you can apply this. Count your blessings. Try to thank God for something specific and unique every day. Every day. I'm going to think of one thing and I'm going to thank God for that. It's specific and it's unique every day. Number two, how to cultivate contentment. Stop comparing and start celebrating. Stop coveting and start rejoicing instead. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. This is in the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. God says this. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or his Ford F-150 or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That was in the original Hebrew, by the way. It was just lost in translation. <laughs> right? You shall not covet. God says in the Ten Commandments, don't covet. Be content with what you have. Stop comparing and start celebrating. As long as you're comparing, you'll never be happy, right? This is one reason why social media has been linked to increase in depression, increase in unhappiness, and even an increase in suicide. Because one of the main ways that social media is used is to show you the Instagram life. Well, how, how much better is my life than yours? And then when I'm looking at everybody else's social media feeds, I'm feeling discontented about my own life. And it drives me into this cycle of despair. Instead, we should stop comparing. We should start celebrating. And here's how you can do that specifically. Praise God for the blessings that he gives to others. Don't just thank God for the blessings he gives to you. Thank God for the blessings he gives to others. When my neighbor drives his new truck by my house, instead of saying, I wish I had a truck like that, I should say, God, thank you for blessing his family with the means necessary to buy a vehicle that meets their needs. Thank you for being that kind of God. And if I start blessing and, and thanking God for the blessings that he gives to others, watch how he produces contentment and joy in my heart right? So count your blessings. Stop comparing. Start celebrating. Number three, to, in order to cultivate contentment, tell yourself no. Tell God yes. Don't lay up treasure for yourself. Instead, be rich toward God. Jesus told this parable in Luke chapter 12. Verse 13, someone in the crowd asked him or said to him, to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Regardless of what Facebook or uh, Instagram or Super Bowl advertisements say, here's what Jesus says. Life does not consist in an abundance of of possessions and he told them this parable the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest he thought to himself what shall I do I have no place to store my crops then he said this is what I'll do I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store my surplus grain and I'll say to myself you have plenty of grain laid up for many years take life easy eat drink and be merry 
But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. If we want to, uh, if we want to cultivate contentment, we need to tell ourselves no so we can tell God yes. Less is more and more is less. The first house that we, brought, that we bought in Springfield, Illinois uh, was a 120-year-old house. Um, it was a cool house. It had four bedrooms. That's pretty cool. You know what else it had? Teeny, tiny closets. Like, I've never seen closets that small. Even the clothes that I have now would probably fill two and a half of those closets, right? So I guess 120 or 130 years ago, they didn't have 25 shirts for summer, 25 shirts for winter, and 30 shirts for fall and spring. The extra five are because you have to have different colors because fall colors you can't wear in the spring, right? <laughs> and spring colors you can't wear in the fall. So you have some that fit both, but then you have some that are specific, right? They didn't have that, I guess, 130 years ago. I mean, how many pairs of shoes do I need? And I like shoes. I'm a guy, I know, uh, I keep my man card, but so I, I like shoes. But how many pairs of shoes do I actually need? I don't know. When the people who built that house lived, they probably had like one work shirt that they wore all week and one Sunday shirt that they wore to church. That's probably what they had. And that's all they needed, right? More stuff doesn't always equal more happiness. And sometimes we can't say yes to God because we can't say no to ourselves. And God says, I want you to, to move from here to here or do this or give that. And we say, if I do that, then I have to reduce my standard of living or walk away from my job or step out into the unknown where I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. And I can't do that, so I'm going to stay where I'm comfortable, where I'm prosperous, where I have all my stuff. Right? Sometimes we can't tell God yes because we can't tell ourselves no. So the, the application here. What is one thing that you can deny yourself this week so that you can give to God? And as I was thinking about that, one of the things that I thought about was coffee, right? Instead of, instead of buying three cups of coffee out this week, what if I buy one cup of coffee out this week? And then I invite my neighbor out to coffee and buy his I've spent the same amount. I bought three cups of coffee total, but I've denied myself one of those cups of coffee and I've shared it with my neighbor instead. And then I've had a conversation with him, right? What if it's something as simple as that? Tell yourself no, tell God yes. And that cultivates contentment in our hearts as we practice generosity. Uh, the last one is this, be satisfied with Jesus. Jesus is enough, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. If you look at that verse, be content with what you have. What, according to that verse, what is it that we have? You can shout it out. What is it that we have? God. Right? God says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Be content with that. If we have God, what else do we need? Right? What, what else are we lacking? Well, I can only be happy if I have Jesus and a new truck. No. 
No, if we have God, we have everything. What else do we need? True contentment is found only in Jesus Christ. And you will never have rest until you have rest in him. So the question for that is, do you have Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Because true contentment is only found when we rest in him. And if you haven't given your life to Christ, you can. It's as simple as telling God, I haven't been living for you. I want to live for you. I accept your death and resurrection in my place so that I can be with you and I give my life to you now. You say something along those lines and you will have Christ in your life forever. I'm gonna have uh, Bo and Stephanie come back up and I want us to take a few minutes and just allow the Holy Spirit to apply God's word to our lives and to our hearts. As they're coming, I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 30, verses seven through nine. This is the contentment prayer in the Bible. This would be a great little passage to memorize. This would be a great prayer to pray on a regular basis. Proverbs chapter 30, verses seven through nine. Will you pray this prayer out loud with me and then we'll ask the Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives and listen while we sing. Let's read this prayer together. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us yourself. And would you cultivate being content with you in our hearts? We believe that you speak to us, and so we want to take the next few moments and ask you, Lord, to show us areas of our lives where we have struggled with contentment so that we can confess those to you or remind us of your blessings so that we can thank you or bring to our hearts and our minds the name or the face of someone who we can bless, that we can share the abundance that you've given to us. Would you do that now while we listen?